I'm reading this and I'm not seeing it in, in church or around me at all. And it just created a desire in me. I, 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 I said, I, I didn't pray the traditional, you know, Jesus, I invite you into my heart prayer. My prayer was very simple because reading through the book of Acts just created such a hunger in my heart. Um, I wasn't in a church. It wasn't in a, in a, a group, of, in a place with other Christians. I literally one evening found myself in the room and I prayed this prayer. Where I told the Lord, oh God, if you're real, please come and show me because I want, I desire to follow you with everything. And this probably breaks the, the mold of what you need to pray and need to say, but I remember that that is when I <laughs> became serious when it comes to following the Lord. And I believe He saved and gripped my heart that night. And um, I, I prayed that prayer. And I remember after that, was soon after that, I was in high school and there was this announcement that they made. We're going to send an outreach team from a school. And that time, there was, um, I think it's still in some of the South African schools, there's these Christian movements. And the Christian movement said, we're going to send out an outreach team. We're going to go to Botswana. We're going to partner up with one of the local churches. I think it was actually church here in Wellington. And we're going to send some of you to Botswana. And obviously, just being saved and, and just, you know, reading through the book of Acts and seeing all those things, I thought to myself, yes, I need to go. So I, 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 I told them, I want to go. I put up my name and um, we, we come together. They do some training with us and they train all of us. And we were young. I mean, we were grade 8, which is 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds, okay, that they're going to send into Botswana. And um, at that time, what I did, didn't know is they're sending us to a rural, 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 rural <laughs> town in Botswana on the Okavango River with all the wild that comes with it. If, if some of you know uh, the Okavango River, and it was quite a shock in my system to, to go there. But they're training us, and I would never forget it. Like all of us sitting in this room with some duomenis and, and you know, all these um, um, grown ups going with us, and they train us how to share the gospel. I still remember they showed us all the colors. They gave us the colors. You, do, you know, you preach the gospel by using these colors. And then the second part of the training was what to do when you encounter witchcraft. Which I, as a 13-year-old that just got saved, I had massive eyes sitting there. I thought to myself, oh my hat, what is going to happen? Um, and at that time, when they had to do it with us, that Okavango River, that specific rural town, they believed in river gods. So there was a lot of witchcraft activity and slaughtering of dogs and whatever going on there. And I, obviously, as a 13-year-old, I am going. <laughs> and um, I remember being ignorant in this then I thought everyone that signed up for this, that called himself a Christian, all of us think the same, believe the same, and we have the same zeal and passion for the Lord. I thought that. So we had one training. I actually didn't know anyone when we went on this outreach. They put us in a buses, and then we went via Namibia into Botswana, and we get to Namibia, this specific house in the middle of nowhere in Namibia was like the overnight station. We're going to stay there for two nights to just get to know one another. And I remember this happens. We had just settled down, and all the teenagers, they said, okay, we're going to go for a walk in the bush. And obviously, I'm like, yeah, let's go, and then we can pray or something. And as we were walking in this bush, as soon as the grown-ups were out of sight, suddenly cigarettes and alcohol came out there. And these teenagers started, um, I'm now 13 year old, I just gave my life to the Lord. I'm like, is this Christians? <laughs> and they started drinking and smoking, and I just realized I need to get out of here. I need to get away from this group. So I just went back very silent of what I just saw here. Just also to mention this place where we stayed had a, um, what is muck in Engels? Tamed a leopard. So you, they, they say the leopard is tamed and the leopard is like a dog among you, but you, you know somewhere you are scared to wake up and then you, your, your arm is gone or something. But you, you already had this threat here and, and this happening and I was, I was quite confused, 13-year-old at that time. And um, the outreach went on. A lot of other stuff happened that you will be shocked if I had to tell you what happened. But also the Lord used this actually to shape and mold me um, quite a lot. Yes, we slept in tents at the Okavango River. And yes, woke up one morning with a hippo laying against the tent. <laughs> yep, that is the, the type of world we went into. And I have to say, I've never been there again. <laughs> 
that was my last time there. But anyways, um, but I have a question, even if you hear this, because there was a day and night difference. Obviously, I realized when I saw them doing this, I realized I, I, just by what I've read, and I didn't know a lot, a, a lot at that time, but I knew this is not honoring to the Lord. And when we speak about going specifically, there's a question or there's this phrase or word that we often use, partnering. And I want to I ask you, because although there was a clear difference between, um, you know, in this group, some of them that were serious about why they actually went on this outreach to Botswana compared to some of these kids that actually just use it as a way to express themselves in a, in a weird way. The question is, do we, you know, do, are we people that partner with our flesh or are we people that partner with the heart of God? That is the question actually this morning. And, and sometimes it's not as clear as this difference, as this story that I've, I've mentioned to you. Sometimes the difference, is, the difference is very subtle. Very subtle. So I want to ask you this morning, with what are you partnering? With what are you partnering? Quickly look to the person next to you and ask him, with, with whom and what are you partnering? I just want you guys to wake up a little bit. <laughs> You know, this is a very important question. We need to ask ourselves, what is in the Father's heart when it comes to going? Because the answer to that will determine what we will do. It will. What is in the Father's heart when it comes to going? Now, I'm going to give you quickly four four points that I believe is the Lord's heart when it comes to going. And the first thing is, I believe He has a heart and a love for the nations. He has a heart and love for the nations. I'm going to quickly run through a couple of scriptures. Psalms 2 verse, um, uh, Psalm 22 verse 27 to 28. Uh, Danelle, you can uh, just throw it on there for me. But all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. Again, that word nations. Look at the second verse, Psalm 2 verse 8. Psalm 2 is a, a prophetic psalm that actually speaks about the coming of Jesus. And um, the 2 verse 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Again, that word nations. Psalm 33 verse 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. Psalm 47 verse 1. Clap your hands. What? All you nations. <laughs> Shout to God with cries of joy. Psalm 48 verse 10. I'm just, I'm running through it. Because I want, I, want I want you without a doubt to sit here this morning knowing for a fact that God loves the nations. Psalm 48 verse 10. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Isn't that beautiful? Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Psalm 64 verse 9. All mankind will fear. They will proclaim the works of God and ponder what He has done. Psalm 67 verse 2 to 3. That your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among what? All nations. Psalm 67 verse 7. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. Psalm 72 verse 11. All kings will bow down to him. And what? All nations will serve him. Psalm 72 verse 17. May his name endure forever. May continue as long as the sun. All nations will be blessed through him. And they will call him blessed. Isn't that beautiful? I can go on. There's, uh, the Psalms are filled with, with references when it comes to the nation. You may be sitting here and you're wondering, Skulk, I'm just struggling to survive day by day. And you're speaking about nations. Why must it matter to me? Because it matters to God. It matters to God. It's so on His heart. He, although, is very interested and He loves the individual. You need to know that. But if you read through Scripture, often you see these type of proclamations. All nations, the people, is the God of nations. In the end, every tribe, you all have heard this, we've sing songs of this phrase. 
every tribe and every tongue. Isn't that beautiful? I've just imagined how will that sound when we all sing together. Huh? I could just imagine. 412 was almost like a glimpse of that, but not even. I, I think it's just going to be so much more, you know. But I can go through. There's, there's many more psalms. Um, Psalm 86 verse 9. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. How amazing. Huh? Even before Jesus came, although the Old Testament was very much focused on Israel, the people of God, it was clear, even out of Old Testament Scripture, that His salvation will extend to all nations. The second reason why it must matter to you, what is on the Father's heart, is He desires a house of prayer of all nations. Mark 11, verse 15 to 18. I'm quickly going to read that to you. Mark 11, verse 15 to 18. Is he all still with me? And they came to Jerusalem, and he, Jesus, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers, um, uh, the money, yeah, money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, this is now Jesus, and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished by his teaching. I just want to quickly unpack this. Because some of you, when you hear the scripture, we usually use it to justify our anger. <laughs> Have you ever heard people doing that? I can't be angry because Jesus threw over tables, you know? You know, I've heard people doing that often. But I actually want to tell you why he reacted like this. There's a good reason, and context here is actually very important. So Jesus came into the temple, and that time there was, um, and specifically you all know Jews went to Jerusalem to, to worship God, and in the temple there was a, specifically almost like an inner circle, where all the inner court where all the Jews came and worshipped. But there was an outer court, and the outer court was kept for any Gentile, and that's a word for anyone that wasn't a Jew, that wasn't from Israel, but serves God and wants to honor God. And the outer court was kept out for them to come and worship him. So when Jesus came and he saw them selling pigeons. I don't know, is there anyone here that sells pigeons for a living? But anyways, he, he, they were selling pigeons. Jesus came and he, over, he, he took those tables and he threw it. And he, to a certain extent, he must probably chased them out there. Why? That, more than just, yes, uh, I, I think it's wrong to sell stuff and all those things. Yes. But the reason he reacted like that is they occupied the space. That market was in the outer court, the space where the Gentiles would have come and worshipped God. But because of that, there was no space for them to come and worship. Doesn't that reveal something of the heart of God? All nations. And then he refers to that scripture, then my house will be a house of prayer of all nations. Now usually in the Jewish context when they did that, it was they referred to a passage of scripture in Isaiah. So they quote almost the first phrase and then all the Jews know what portion of scripture Jesus was speaking about. So he didn't have to go and quote the whole thing. So you, you understand what I mean? So he just mentions a line and everyone's like, oh, yeah, 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 we know, we know, we know. And, and that is specifically from Isaiah, okay, 56, where he speaks about a house of prayer for all nations. He's zealous that all nations, all people would come and encounter him and see him and worship him and adore him and love him. And you, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, you are part of this. You are part of this. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for Team T. It's not just for the young ones among us. It's not just for someone that set his life out to do this. All people, everyone that calls yourself a follower of Christ are invited into this. Are you all still with me? The third one, the third point. Why does this matter? Jesus, he wants to see the lost save and nations being discipled. 
three scriptures. Matthew 24 verse 14. Sorry, I know that's a lot of scriptures, but it's, I'm just going to point you there because it's just so clear for me. Matthew 24 verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Very clear, eh? Must I explain that? Very clear. Gospel must be preached to the whole world as a testimony to what? All nations. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 to 5. I, I love how this starts. It's very clear. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. It says, this pleases Him. So now we need to take note. <laughs> Who wants this Jesus? Who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. Since this is good and pleasing, God desires all people to know Him. I know it's an ache in His heart. He desires it to see nations to come to Him. Discipling nations, Matthew 28 verse 19, most of you know, as Morris referred to the scripture. Therefore, go and make disciples. And usually we say, therefore, go and make disciples. Yes, we must do it locally in us. Yes. But I love how it states, of all nations. Isn't that beautiful? It's like almost like God, God is dreaming so big. I don't know who of you will read this and you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I can do this. But it's like God has a desire and he's inviting you to partner with what is on his heart. Number four, Keenan quickly referred to this. He, God, desires to build his church. Matthew 16, verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. Jesus is speaking to Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. He is the one that builds the church. He is the one that builds it. And sometimes you will go, and we will go into a context where we, we actually go into another congregation. And we will be vessels where we say, Lord, whatever you want to do, come and build your church in this place. Morris and them in Bonnyvale, that's, they went to serve. They went to give themselves. Jesus is building his church in Bonnyvale this, this weekend. You know what is so beautiful? God was probably could have just do all of this without us. He could have. He could have just gone and be like, I don't need you. Perfect church. All the nations serve him. But yet, and, and I think this is part of the humility of Christ that I just struggle to, to grasp, and to be honest, that He would come as low as us <laughs> and say, I want to use you. I want, I, I, want, I want you to know me. I want to partner with you. I want you to, to, to come. I want you to be a vessel that I can display my power through you. Isn't that just beautiful? But the main point I want to make out of these four points is that the nations is on his heart. Going is not our idea. It is God's idea. It is his idea. Amen? So, Skulk, where specifically do I fit into this? I've actually mentioned um, a point last time I preached. I'm going to mention it again. Ephesians 1 verse 5 to 6. And in here, we find our purpose it says in love, verse 5, Ye, Jesus, predestined us for adoption to Himself as Son through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us and, and beloved. It speaks about adoption to Him as sons. Now Jesus, being the Son of God, His mission was, was to reveal the Father. He came to, to save the lost, but in doing that, He glorified the Father. He submitted Himself completely to God. Okay, you all agree with that? He, he lived the life that honored the Father and glorified the Father. And there's this principle, you can ask any parent, that a son reflects, the, a, a child reflects the parent. Okay, it does. And I have to say, uh, the other day, I'm not sure if I must say this, but um, Emma, <laughs> oh shame, she's crying because she wants to be here. She's just shouting daddy there in the background. Um, but I remember she, um, the other day, she did something and she looked at Ingrid and myself and she just went and, and said, oh goodness, you know. We're like, what? Oh goodness. And we just realized, one of us, we, we, we say, oh goodness. And now suddenly she is saying, oh goodness, oh goodness. 
randomly and random things. And, and there is, to a certain extent, we see a reflection and we're like, oh, we need to stop that. And um, there's a reflection of us, you know. And I think similar, if, if we are called and we are adopted as sons, you are called, as Jesus reflected the Father, there's something of us as we are molded and shaped into the image of Jesus that we reflect the Father. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is so important because as we abide in Him and we bear fruit, what does it do? It glorifies Him. And if we are called to reflect Him, it may, if going is part of His heart, you and I are called to reflect that part of His heart. Does it make sense what I'm saying? If, if you call yourself a son of God, because all of us are called and, and invited into this adoption as sons, you're called to reflect them. Not just in certain parts, in all of your life. And going is just such a key part of who Jesus was. Amen? I'm going I'm, I'm uh, to tell one or two outreach stories now, but before I do that, Matthew 9 verse 38. It says, Jesus speaks to the disciples and asks them, And he says the following. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field. Now most of us would agree that it speaks about laborers. That the Lord of the harvest, the, uh, God would send people that will go for him. Now often we would refer to this verse as people that go and they stay. You know, it's those missionaries that go to unreached nations and they stay there forever. And, and the, there is, obviously it's applicable to them also. But I do think it just often also speaks about being obedient and just going. Does it make sense? Even if it's a going, a going and returning and a going and a returning and a going and a returning. But interesting, the word there, the harvest to send forth, that word send, in Greek is, um, I'm going to say it now with my Afrikaans accent in English, but ekbalu, <laughs> ekbalu. And that word is not a normal word to use in those contexts. It speaks about being, someone sends you by force. Okay? Almost the picture that comes to mind is like a catapult. Do you know if you have seen a catapult? Okay? Or a cannon. In that picture we had that prophetic word of the cannon. But a catapult. Yeah? It just goes forth and it takes that rock and just slings it. You know, um, I think that's medieval time. But anyways, uh, like a cannon. It's like a cannonball that just gets with force just being, you know, it's been shot out. And it's similar that it's with force. It's, it's, it's a, 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 almost like a violent connotation to it. And this same word is used in Luke 11 verse 20 when, when Jesus is actually chasing away demons or delivering people from demons. He tells the demons to go. That to go is the same word. Now if Jesus tells demons to go, what happens? What happens? They go. Okay? Why? Because he speaks with authority. Now this sending forth laborers, when Jesus say, so that he can send forth laborers, is the same word. Which means it's not Jesus going... Listen, maybe it's a good idea if you go. You know, you think about it. No, that's not how Jesus is doing it. He's saying, I am sending you. And I'm doing it with intention and force. Now, this force is not a, I'm forcing you, because obviously you still have a choice. But when we submit ourselves to Him, how can we not go? How can we not go? You know, often our excuses, and, and we have good excuses in the sense of they are valid. I know that. And I'm going to tell you guys stories. But often Christianity, specifically when it comes to going, makes us uncomfortable because it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you treasure, as Maris mentioned. It's going to maybe cost you money. It's going to cost you a weekend. It's going to cost you uh, uncomfortable, being uncomfortable with your family. My wife and I, we went to um, uh, Mosul Bay. I, I want to share this because I want to be real with you. <laughs> we went to 
Mosul Bay um, for a worship training. We, we did worship training there and then the Southern Cape. And we stayed with people. And obviously we're four people. And they put all of us in one room. It's my two children, myself and my wife. And, and we're there. And over the weekend, Emma started throwing up, you know. And um, I'm, I'm ministering the Saturday and the Sunday. And my voice is suddenly gone. It's like, you know, I have laryngitis suddenly in the morning. And it's just... I speak like this. And it's just crazy, you know. It's uncomfortable. We must probably could have just gone there and said, sorry guys, this doesn't work. Let's climb the car. Let's come back. But we pressed through, you know, in that moment. We, we decided, we, I'm going to whisper over the mic. I'm going to sound um, very spiritual and, and just whisper. Um, and, you know, Emma, Emma running with fever and throwing up and all these things. And, you know, we give her medicine. It's uncomfortable. It wasn't, I didn't look back to that weekend and think, oh, we, it was so nice for us as a family. No, it cost us something to go and be there. And it was probably going to cost you something to go. And sometimes it's going to be very nice and sometimes it's not going to be very nice. But it's not what it's about. It's about his heart. Now I want to tell you a couple of stories just about us going. Are you guys fine with that? Now my wife and I, before we got married, I, I had a clear sense. I just, I know it's all my life, even standing here, I'm not, I, I know God has nations for me in the sense of going. And my wife also had a sense of, of that before we got married. When we got married, we were like, we definitely know, you know, like God has something for us. But before we got married, um, my um, first outreach I'm not going to speak about, but my, my second one I, I want to speak about is when I was going to Russia. And I didn't have a heart for Russia at all. If you had to ask me, Scott, where do you want to go? I would have most probably named all 160 countries and Russia would have been 160th. Okay. That was how I felt towards Russia. Now what happened is one day randomly I was in Sunningdale. I was sitting next to someone and Milani, which some of you know and some of you don't. She's a, a prophet in our, in our midst. Um, and, well, not here, but in, in, in Josh Jane and 412. And she was there and, and we did like a prophetic thing where we encourage one another. We, we encouraged one another. We asked, Lord, is there anything for this person? And this guy next to me turned to me and randomly told me, listen, I just see you evangelizing in St. Petersburg in Russia. And I, and I thought to myself, I think you've missed it. Okay, thank you that you stepped out. Amen. And I forgot about it completely. It was probably months after that. Forgot it. Um, Color that leads the Stellenbosch congregation stood in front of the, uh, the congregation and said, listen, we're going to Russia. Is there any one of you that actually would want to come with? And I'm, again, I told myself, no, I don't want to go. You know, you know, whatever. Bless you guys. All those things. And that evening I, I went and I had a dream. And in the dream I was climbing on the plane to Russia. And when I woke up, I know God was speaking. And I told God that morning, no. <laughs> I told him, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Russia. I don't have the money, number one. I listed all my excuses. And then I told him, Lord, I will go. If, I, will, I will go and put my name up, but I'm not going to look for sponsorship at all. Like, please don't pay the money for me to go. It's almost semi what I've, I, I told him. So I go to Kala and say, Kala, I think I must put up my heart. I mentioned to Kala, I actually don't want to go, but I had a dream. So I put it up. I said, I'm not going to mention to anyone. And in that week, Carla sends me a message to say, guess what? Someone paid everything. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to Russia. I'm going to Russia. Now, in that time, this is how it started. Because, you know, we have an ideal picture often of climbing on a plane and flying. This is how it starts out. Now, if you want to go to Russia, you need to go for a visa appointment at the Russian embassy in Cape Town. At that time, you don't have to do it anymore. So there's a big group of us going. Hannes, that's leading Malpus, is leading the team. And he takes all of us to the embassy office, and he tells all of us, don't worry, don't stress. Because for some reason, you don't stress until you walk in there. You, it's all official. They see if you have any guns and bombs with you and all of those things. And they sort of make you nervous while walking in there. And, and Hannes has just calmed down. They're very chilled. They trust South Africa. Don't worry. And they're like, okay, first up, they do an interview with you. And they say, first up, Skull, come. Okay, I'm like, oh, Lord. Okay, I sit there. And this lady takes my form. She looks through my form. 
looks up, go through my form, looks up and say, and with a very thick Russian accent, so are you coming to my country to spread the gospel? It was the first question to me, and I'm sitting there looking at Anas. Because <laughs> I'm going to lie <laughs> if I say no. I didn't say anything. And Russia's, ach, and uh, Anas tried to explain, and, and what happened is we had so many of the students from TMT sitting there that they saw Bible school, Bible school, Bible school, Bible school, Bible school, that obviously they put two, two together. We are going to go to spread the gospel. So they rip us apart in those interviews. We walk out there very discouraged. And Hannes even sends us a message and says, Listen, guys, I'm so sorry, but I don't think we're going to Russia. <laughs> Just prepare yourself. You've wasted your money. You're not going. Ach, and we, you know, we pray, but I actually we've settled. And in me, there was a little bit of a yes, you know. But um, we... We, uh, we speak about it and all these things, and we just get an email from them and say, come pick up your passports. It's ready. They don't tell you if you get a visa or not. And we get there, open the passport, and we see for some reason this woman, after figuring out the truth, just still gave us the visas. Okay? So we went to Russia, and it is very hard ground. Anyone that's been to Russia, it is, it is hard ground. But I had to, even when I felt a strong no in me, I, in the end, had to adjust to what God said. And I had to say yes. And I had to climb on that plane and I had to go. <laughs> Although I didn't have a desire to go there. I know some of you would be like, put me on that plane, please. But at the moment, I'm just being honest. I didn't feel like that. And on that outreach, as we went, in the news, breaking news, Russia just uh, didn't, uh, put a new anti-terrorism law into place. No religious activity without any signature, you know, from a government official. Not even prayer meetings. Nothing. And in my eyes, oh no. You know, we are obviously going to spread the gospel. And we're going there to do worship and all these things. And they put a law in place. And first, um, Hannes and all of them said, don't worry. It takes three months for this law usually in Russia to kick in. We're still safe. And as we got there, Putin does a, a, a whole conference that says, this law goes into action tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought to myself, ach no, Lord. Like, vrachtag. Um, and I, I, like, I, I, I was there in faith, but I was stressing. I was. We went to Moscow, there's military presence and all these things, and you're just feeling not welcome no, no matter where you go. But, I remember we go to St. Uh, Saint, uh, there's a town just outside Petersburg. And there was a group of missionaries there that we just went for the day to support. And I remember we, we are like very careful because this Lord just came through and these, it was actually two girls. There was no one else in that town. Two women that, that just gave up everything, moved there and said, we want to preach the gospel. And we were sitting there and they're like, okay, we're going to go into the streets and we're going to preach the gospel now. And I think all of us were like, oh, like we're so aware of this law. And this, these two women with boldness just goes into the town and they preach. And as we saw them going, something in us just clicked and we went. And obviously, well, I found myself with Hannes, with a guitar on the corner in Russia, in St. Petersburg, which is very illegal. That in itself will put you in, in jail for more than 10 years at that time. You know, me, us doing that, doing worship on the street, preaching the gospel. And I remember that guy in Sunningdale many months ago that looked at me and said, Oh, I see this random picture of you preaching the gospel in St. Petersburg. And I want to tell you, God is just, He has a heart for the nations. I said this at youth, but I want to say this to us also. There's so much He can do with a yes. I had so many excuses not to go. That law, I don't want to go. <laughs> Finances, I can list it. But in the end, I said yes. And my question is, if the Lord comes, and it's very inconvenient for you, and He asks you to go, I believe, that some of us will be tested on this, this coming year. But what do we value more, Him or our comfort? Will we go and partner with His heart for the nations? Or partner with our own flesh? Where's my wife? Uh, do you want to quickly share that also? My wife also went to Russia, but we didn't go together. Before we got married, she also went to Russia. She wanted to go. <laughs> Uh, 
Hi guys. Um, so Scott just asked me to share just some of the reality of some of the things you face that might discourage you from going. And um, it's fair enough to, to be across the board, like honest with one another and go like, there's real stuff going on. It's not all lovely, like you've been saying. And um, something that started happening for me is um, they were going to have a team going. And I sensed like God wants us to go and these types of things. But um, And I did have a general like excitement, like, you know, like a like a naive excitement. Um, yeah, going on outreach, you know. Um, and I was a student. I think I was still a student. Anyway, and I started experiencing um, some health trouble, but it hit me like from an angle because many of the things in my life I felt like I could solve or they were generally okay things. Like they weren't ever, I'm an over my head kind of things. And it felt like the first time in my life things were starting to happen that were really difficult for me that I, like childhood had been generally easy, you know. And then hitting like a type of sickness uh, situation in my stomach that I couldn't get specialists to pinpoint. I went from specialist to specialist and place to place and just had constant pain and difficulty of lying the night, dream about being shot because I'm in pain. Like, and I remember feeling like this thing is so difficult, but I'm feeling also on the side, like this is outreach and I want to go. And um, I got told, no, uh, we're going to just give you like antacids, you know, and it's like always this thing of there's nothing really solving the situation. And I thought, but Lord, I'm in constant pain and I'm in, not like strong. I'm not in a good space. Like I'm not the candidate to go, you know, I'm just... I have my little, like, you almost go into this pity party thing also. We're like, God, if you wanted to use me, then, like, like God doesn't owe us anything. But you hit these spaces where you're like, can't you just heal me? You know, things like that. And um, you hit, like, all the spaces. Like, you, you have your courtesy prayers, and then they start changing. And they're like, you become desperate. And you're like, God, please, you know, where are you? You've left me. And, and I wanted to highlight that to you because God also highlighted to me, said to me, the need in the world is not a courtesy prayer. It's the need in the world. You need to cry out for the lost. Like the, not that the sickness is of God, but in that time he used that to show me that there's something that he's longing in us that we would carry and bird, the burden that's on his heart in a more, like, more desperate way than, than what's just convenient. You know, when you, things are convenient, you ask kind of politely, and you don't really press in so much, because it's, it's like, oh, it doesn't really matter. And I felt like the Lord used that time leading up to the outreach, where I was really in a difficult place, and I had all these like things going on, that he was teaching my heart to be desperate. As much as the situation wasn't ideal, um, I started praying differently, because I realized when I, even if I go to Russia, the need there, and when I'm going to pray for them and give myself for them, is it just like a nice to have to go on the outreach? It's just a bit of fun, you know? Yeah, we're going on outreach, we saved. Like, it costs something different when it costs. Do you know what I mean? And um, I just want to encourage you also. So um, I was sat with the doctor, and there was, because they had gone into my tummy with cameras and done all these tests, and, and he had to pump out my stomach emergency because he said it was filled with bile, and he'd never seen anything like that, and unexplained, like, weird situation. And, and then... He said, okay, but you're going to be on chronic meds for the rest of your life. I just like, handle what your body's doing. And I was so discouraged. I was like, I'm going to preach a gospel that I'm not even seeing has any power in my own life. You know, like, you know what I'm saying. You've battled that. I'm not saying that there isn't power. That's the thing you feel in your heart in that moment. And, um, but the point came, like, we're going to go. And I had asked the doctor, would it be, like, unsafe for me to get on a plane and go to another country. I think he must have been like, why do you want to do that? <laughs> and, um, and he was like, well, you could go. Like, you could. Um, let, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know. And I, so I made a choice and I said, I'm going. I'm going. That's, we're anyway, struggling. We're going to struggle with Russia. We're going to struggle in South Africa. <laughs> and um, I remember the day before, I started packing my bags and... Um, I want to share this as well because it's the, in the vulnerable, the Lord is powerful. I was sitting there and I had to stop packing midway because it was just so difficult for me, the process. Like, I felt everything was just too much. I remember I walked, I stood up and I walked outside and I said, I need to go stand outside. Um, and I've been trying a new medication and it wasn't gelling with my brain and I was feeling very anxious. And um, I just want to share how cool this is. Um, the next day, though, it, it's as if the... As eventually I broke through and I said, I'm going to pack my bag and it's horrible, and, but I'm excited, but I feel terrible. I felt this mixed feelings. And 
got on that airplane there with that team. I must say the team was also such a family to me. They were like, we're going to do this together. We're going to do this, you know. And also in, in, in Russia, you eat a lot of soup. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, let's see how the eating thing's going to go. So I just want to share, even if you have things like, I've got a sickness, or I can't eat that, or I c these are real things that we face. I want to say, give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. He knows. He's not going to drop you there to sit and struggle by yourself. And this is the last part that I want to share that's just really cool. From the time that we landed in Russia, my pain lifted, okay? That sickness, like, it, it felt like it struggled, it, sh it sh shriveled up. It just started becoming less and less, less and less. My pain was gone. I started being able to eat normally. Um, my heart was really in the thing that the Lord was doing in Russia. And when I prayed for people, I prayed with desperation because something had happened in me. And I felt like, Lord, even if I had to be sick for this purpose, even if that is, you know, I don't understand, Lord, here, I'm giving myself. And that's my encouragement to you. Um, whatever it looks like, whatever it costs you, trust the Lord in it. It's really worth it. And we saw the Lord move, really. There were times when I felt like I laid hands on someone. I remember there was this one girl, prayed for her, and I really felt specific things for her. And as it was happening, I was thinking, Lord, this wouldn't have happened if I had said, I'm too sick for this, or, you know, things like that. So I just want to share that. You know. To say yes, even in the... Is this helpful? Is it encouraging? And the, and the last one, and then I'm done. And this will be quick. We went to Switzerland in 2016. Some of you know Switzerland. Oh, some of you know Switzerland is one of the most, is the expensive country in the world, Zurich specifically. My wife and I thought it, it would be a good idea to go. And us, our salaries to give them is probably, yeah, could have not even make a dent. <laughs> in uh, going to Switzerland. So we had more than uh, enough excuses to say we don't want to go. And uh, we took all our savings. We decided it needs to cost us something before actually going and telling people we're going to go. We, the, the night, we took us all our savings that we had and we bought two plane tickets to Switzerland. There's a church specifically that we had on our heart. And uh, we didn't mention it to anyone. That next morning, I walk into my, my work and uh, I sat at my, my office table and I almost like had a moment of, oh, what did we do? And, and, I, and in the, oh, what did we do? I, I said like in my head, I was like, Lord, please, you need to come through. And as I prayed that in my head, ping, an SMS comes on my phone. And I look at it and it says, 17,000 Rand just paid into your account. And I'm like, no ways. And we paid 17,000 Rand on the dot for those two tickets. I'm like, who? I, I asked Ingrid, I remember, I asked Ingrid, did you tell anyone? She said, no. I'm like, oh, no, I didn't tell anyone. And, and I see there's a name, and I go do research, and I, I get to a, a company, it's a CEO of a famous company in South Africa, and we don't know one another at all. Like, he via, 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 someone felt he need to bless me like many months ago, and only got around to do it that specific day. And... We just knew at that moment, God wants us to go. And we went. And this is the last part I want to mention. We go to Zurich, which we didn't know. We didn't do any research that it's the most expensive country in the world. It's almost 250 rand for two cappuccinos, okay? Yes, that's how expensive it is. We lived on chocolate and bread, which sounds very nice to most of you. But we, we, went, we went there and we were like, okay, Lord, we actually can't survive. We're not sure what we're going to do here. There's no churches actually in Zurich except the Hillsong and a, a, a big other church. And we're like, we're desperate to, to, to have fellowship with some people here. The, the 412 church is not in Zurich. It's, it's outside of Zurich. And we just Google and we see the, they call it the international prayer meeting. And we go to the international prayer meeting and there's a group of guys there, or just women actually, and myself. My wife was obviously with me. And, and not one of them are Swiss, but they're all expats that lives in Switzerland and they pray together for the country. And we're like, okay, awesome. And we pray with them. And after that, you, I just see this envelope being passed around in the end. They're like, we just, you know, we all just took like back pocket change and we just felt like we want to bless you. Again, we didn't tell them anything about ourselves, where we're going, nothing. And at the moment I knew this is from the Lord. And that money it was back pocket change for them, but it covered our whole trip. Whole trip. Everything. And we were just so in awe what the Lord can do with a yes. But I want to save the same breath. 
literally three years before that, my first opportunity to go on an outreach, I said yes, and no finances came through. Nothing. I didn't go on that outreach. I had an opportunity there to allow disappointment to determine whether I'm going to partner with the Lord going ahead or not. And I had to decide, hmm, I'm just going to say yes to the next one. I'm going to always just look for his heart and say, do you want me to go? Yes. And whether he comes through or not, whether I have finances or not, at least I can say, I said yes. I said yes. And I want to end off with this. I want to pray for you and then we're going to end off this morning. Are you prepared to partner with the heart of God for nations? Even if you're young here this morning, like maybe you're still in school, are you prepared to partner with His heart? Are you? Maybe you, 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 you feel like, I'm a skulk, you don't know my financial status. Are you prepared to say yes to Him? Him sending us forth, forcefully, carries more weight than our excuses. It does. So can you close your eyes, Lord? And if you want to say yes this morning, can you just stand up with me and, and, and say, like, I want you to consider the weight of this. Because if you say yes, next year, it's not just the elders deciding. It's us together as a body going. Lord, and as simple as this is, as simple prayer as this is, we want to say yes, Lord, to what you have. I'm just even reminded this year from our midst. I know about, about Pete and Sumeri going to Benoni. They said yes to the Lord. It's almost like a prophetic example in our midst. And I want to ask you this morning, will you say yes to Him when He comes knocking? When the opportunity comes, even when it's inconvenient. Lord, and in the end, may it be said that our yes glorified you, Lord. That our yes was not because of our fleshly desires, Lord. But our yes was because you had a heart and you had a desire, Lord. Whether it's locally around us, Lord. Whether it's going just to the neighboring town, Jesus. Or whether it's going to nations. We want to say yes to you, God. We want to say yes, Lord. Oh, Lord. We want what is on your heart. And the last thing I want to pray. If you look in the book of Acts, there's a rhythm that we see there. It's be filled and go. Be filled and go. It's never just go. It's be filled with the life of God and the Spirit of God. And so beautiful, Holy Spirit is referred to the promise of the Father so many times throughout Scripture. And isn't it beautiful? It's not like He's just sending you go. He's like, I am giving you myself to go with you wherever you go. Lord, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come in this time to come, Lord, as we say yes. May it be from a place of abiding and be filled with you, Lord. And would you come even this morning, Lord, and fill every heart in Jesus' name. Oh, Lord, we are empty vessels for your glory, Jesus. And may you be glorified, Lord. We thank you, Jesus.